Hey, hey, y'all, this is Nicolette, and you are listening to Definitely Not For Everyone. Well, I think this is what, episode maybe five, I'm assuming? Shit, I don't even know, y'all. Um, all I know is that we are feeling feelings, and things are happening, and um, I want to talk about it. I want people to be able to let out their feelings and feel what they're feeling and us process shit together. You know what I mean? There's a pandemic happening. There's a lot of social unrest going on. There's protests happening. Um, and I know that a lot of people don't feel like they're being heard per se. And I want this platform to be where they are able to express their thoughts and their feelings um, and their ideas um, about um, what we're going through right now. Um, all right, y'all, here we go. I am here today with Liz. I'm here with Miss Nicole, and I'm here with James. James is only going to hang out with us for a few minutes. Um, but I appreciate that he um, made the time to come and talk to us. Um, so you know how we do. Please define yourself, two or three things for the audience. And if not that, then tell me something you love doing. Um, for me, I'll start off because y'all newbies. Um, I am inappropriate at times. Um, actually, a a lot of times. I love to curse. My favorite word is bitch and fuck. Um, what else? I'm a mother. I am a wife. I am a daughter um, who loves her annoying mother. I don't speak to my father, but um, I send him tons of love. Um, and we are in a pandemic right now. Oh, and I'm mixed. I'm half Asian and half black, which I think is important to know in this discussion. But y'all know this shit about me because hopefully you've been listening and it's not your first time. Um, who's up next? I'll go. I'm James. I am a vet tech in Brooklyn. I like riding my bike, baseball, and I'm also mixed. I'm Irish, Scottish, German, and Haitian. Uh, I'll go after. I'm Liz. Uh, James and I are married. I'm a teacher in Brooklyn. I love swimming. I'm also mixed. Um, my dad's black. My mom's white. Is that good? <laughs> very, very good. Nicole, what you got to say? Uh, I'm Nicole. I am a black, same gender loving health coach um, and writer living in Providence, Rhode Island. And what do I like? I like to take long walks and listen to podcasts at sunset on the sand <laughs> at the beach with your my <laughs> all of that that's the cue in the music right there <laughs> um all right so let's get into some of these questions and again it's not going to be in order um the conversation will go where it goes um but so here we go loaded question how are y'all feeling like shitty <laughs> <laughs> has this pandemic been difficult for you like how have y'all been handling it what have you been doing to make it okay for yourselves well luckily me and my wife here realize we get, actually do get along like in reality <laughs> not in some uh fantasy world that we create for ourselves so that's nice yeah <laughs> I feel very blessed in that I've enjoyed our time together and that I know how privileged I am and that we are okay and that our immediate family's been okay. Um, and so like just the daily kind of stuff, like, you know, doing yoga every day, which is not something that I could do when I'm in a school building per se. Um, but then the, the, psychological thoughts of mostly the students that I work with and my concern for them. Um, it's, I know a lot of them are going through very difficult situations. Um, and yeah, that's been hard to, to think about like, how am I helping them? And then also the like getting burnout. We haven't had any breaks. Like they took away our spring break, which I know it sounds like Oh yeah, you didn't get a break, but you're working from home. But like, 
I mean, I think there's something about like, I think something great about what I'm seeing with the protests and stuff is this idea. I think it's coming out of the quarantine and this economic crisis that is just all around us and like, yeah. and just the idea that like, we deserve, humans deserve to be able to live and function in a way that isn't complete stress all the time. Yeah, have free time, enjoy your family, enjoy meals with your family. Yeah. And when you're, uh, you know, talking about the pandemic, like uh, the essential worker, essential worker quotation marks, uh, you know, my, my uncle, uh, he's like a head baker at King Cullen. And so he's considered an essential worker. Uh, my my uh, other cousin, he was doing like FedEx deliveries and things like that. So he would have been considered an essential worker. And then I heard this uh, comedian, uh, Eric Griffin, make a funny joke. He thinks there was some like Illuminati type meeting where all the white people got together and said, what, do, what don't we like doing? And they're like, cleaning your pool, uh, gross, uh, you know, checking groceries, you know. Baking bread. Yeah, everything that... Uh, that they don't want to do is essential, but then all these high paying jobs that people say are so important, all of a sudden that it, it, you could see that it's not necessary in society for their, even their, their, exist, their existence for a job and what they think is important actually doesn't move society along. It's these people that don't get paid enough. Yeah. And some of my students are essential workers. Yeah. How, yeah. And, yeah. Teenagers. How are teenagers? And then workers? and they're supposed to be at school. And, and they end up supporting <laughs> their families because their families can't go to work. And then all of a sudden a teenager is providing food money for a whole household. And that's the opposite. You know, it's completely backwards. So. And kids who are in fear of losing their homes. And yeah. 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 What about you, Nicole? How are you feeling in this? in the pandemic, actually, portion of this conversation. Well, y'all are in New York, and you you're, you just started your, what, phase one of reopening, what, last week? Yeah. So we're, we're in full completed week this week. We're in phase two, and I think coming up on phase three, which maybe is the final phase, um, and, like, our neighbors right now are having barbecues all around us, and there is, like, a huge birthday party going on. Um, so I think that my sense of the pandemic has, is probably different from yours because, um, we are able to move about here in a, in a different kind of way. And I, I recognize that cases are going up across the country. I don't think we've seen that in Rhode Island. Okay. Um, I have to say we have, I think our governor has handled um the pandemic pretty well and we have a public um health director a black woman named nicole so of course she's fabulous <laughs> and um <laughs> and um i i just think that they've they've really been doing a good job so um well yeah so though, how did you handle it while i was in it like in some ways life wasn't that different for me because um I recently, I had left my job a few months before the, the pandemic really started or um, the onset of it in the US. Um, and part of the reason was because I travel, I've been traveling nonstop for about five years. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I wanted more time at home. I wanted to know my community. I wanted to be active. I wanted to get people registered to vote. So um, I was already planning to shelter in place in some ways. Um, so it really wasn't, it wasn't different for me. It, it, though it is interesting to listen to people who are working from home from the, for the first time who have the same problems as like most freelancers, which is like your, your day can never end if you don't create boundaries or yeah. if you don't like create some kind of system to like, uh, you know, like it's like the the train ride home would be like the break in your day, yeah. that kind of transition. Um, so, anyways, that's been that's been kind of interesting to watch. I will say, um, at the same time, my partner, eighty five percent of her job is travel. Um, wow. So we have had more dinners together than we have ever had in our relationship. 
Um, and that has been really wonderful. I think the pandemic has forced us to work on our communication skills too, which I imagine that's the, that's the case for a lot of couples. Um, <laughs> Silent nodding. <laughs> I agree. Um, but that's been really good. And uh, we just bought a house before, like uh, six, six months awesome. ago. Thank you. Um, and we started a renovation that is like a Pandora's box. So also like we've done a lot of work on the house, but I will say that a lot of it came to a stop because we were really, I mean, I think there was a point when we were afraid of our groceries, like mm. <laughs> having our groceries delivered and like washing yeah. them off, even though public health department said you didn't have to do that. Yeah. But like, you know, like, so, but, and so not wanting to let people in the house to can, to continue working because we didn't want to put ourselves at risk, but in the end, just like really not, not just in the end, but throughout the whole thing, grateful for our health, grateful for the health of our families. And, um, I don't know that we've had more time on our hands, but definitely have been more intentional about checking in on our friends and family to make sure that everyone's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, um, for those who listen, y'all know, like, I'm just surprised. And I told Nicole and Liz, I think that I'm just surprised at how much I like, I still like the people that I live with. You know, I have <laughs> me, it's me, my husband, my two girls and my mother. She is going to be 78 on the 20th, actually. Um, I know, right? She's an old bitty, but she's strong, <laughs> yo. And um, as most people know living with your mother is interesting you know it depends on who that person is right um but yeah I still like her like we still chill you know I still enjoy my husband we had a really rough like two or three years um but this year has been really nice him being home um has has been a really really good thing um, I didn't realize what good communication we already had. Like, there's been no arguments, knock on wood. Um, and actually, we don't really argue anyway. We just, is the word vehemently? Vehemently? Hey, just disagree. Occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, exactly. <laughs> um, so I wanted to head into the next kind of set of questions and see where that takes us, which is, um, does what's happening with the civil and social unrest and the protests, does it make you feel anything about yourself, about the United States, about your friends? Like, I mean, I think I'm going to too many places, so I'll stop. Well, I'll, um, I'm probably going to talk too long about this, so then after this I'll probably head off. But I recently had an interview to be a Suffolk County police officer because I took I took the test because my cousin is, uh, was taking the test and I wanted to support him. Mm. So he was having trouble studying and stuff like that. So I took it with him. And he, he's now two weeks out of being graduated from New York City Police Academy. So I ended up getting a 90th percentile score and they called me in for an interview. And it was, it was weird because my grandfather always told me, he, I reminded him of his brother, who was a, like a cop in the military and also a medic. So in my head, it's like I've always wanted to like see if I was good at it. Because I, if whenever I've been in um, situations where people were in distress, I, I've seen people getting beat up or I've seen someone get hurt. I've, I've all of a sudden been in the middle of it and I didn't even think. Like it was like, you know, all of a sudden I, was, I was helping somebody, I was doing something. So, you know, and I, I always thought I'd be good at it because I'm very calm when, uh, you know, shit hits the fan for other people. With my stuff, you know, I'm usually more frantic. <clears throat> but when it's uh, happening to someone else, I can kind of, you know, compartmentalize. Can I say too that I've, one of the things I love about James is his like willingness to like step up for people. Um, I've seen him, I saw a man in the subway, a homeless man was accosting some woman and James like intervened. Like he wasn't feeling well. He was just throwing up and it was like, 
the Hulk, like, oh, you can't speak to her. I'm what is happening here? Like, he's just one to step up for somebody who needs it. Yeah. Um, and that's something I love about him. But I know you have a lot of conflicting feelings about the system in our society. Too. So I'm at the interview, and I'm one of the only black guys there. There's other black guys there. Or, you know, actually, I don't, I don't remember seeing, like, there was different races there. But I don't remember seeing someone who I looked at was like, oh, you, you mean you were the same kind. It was like there was a Spanish guy, an Asian guy, different types of white guys. And uh, it was a long process. You go, you go in the room, you know, they're immediately like yelling at you, like, why are you looking around? Don't, you know, only, only, you know, look straight ahead. If you're, if you're looking around, you're not, you're not focused, like discipline. If you can't look straight, you're not disciplined and we don't want you here. And, and in, in one aspect, I understand that because that's kind of how I am when I work. I'm very focused and I don't care about feelings per se. I care about my job and performing a task. It was a little much, but you know, and then you get into the interview process and I, I, there was these two black officers and I'm, I'm not shy. So I'm, I'm in my suit. I'm with all these white guys in my specific group. And we're going into this gymnasium to talk to female officers, uh, patrol officers, uh, black officers, things like that, uh, Spanish officers. And I asked the black officers straight up, you know, we're on Long Island. I grew up on Long Island. How is it having a job with living in a white community like this? You know, because I've dealt with shit with people that don't look like me. And how do you deal with it at work? And after seeing all the stuff that's gone on since I had that interview, it's, I don't want to think they were lying to me. But, but. I, but I But I can't help but wonder. And it makes me, it makes me really sad because I've always wanted to protect people, but it's almost like they don't want me to be in that position because it's like a trick. It's like they want me because I'm strong and I'll, and I'll put myself in a position to be their cannon fodder. Yeah. They don't actually want me to change anything or, right. be, or be equal. Right. And, but I want to believe that cop I asked because he seemed like a normal guy. Yeah. But, but I, but how can I trust you? Because I, I can, like, uh, I was telling Liz, like, I talk to my neighbors and uh, when we talk about shit and they give me their opinion, I never sense two sides to their opinion. I, I know they're, shooting me straight right whether i agree or i don't but uh it's like i i don't know who i can trust that doesn't look like me because i i can't trust that you don't have two sides of that opinion that you just gave me yeah. and uh it just uh it fucks with my head because yeah. my two best friends are white guys because i couldn't I can't trust the people I grew up with. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I was, I had a lot of friends and I literally just cut it. I, I, I turned 22 and I immediately was like, I can't be the smartest person in the room anymore. Like I can't be this, uh, this, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, this, uh, this token, like I realized my friends were using me because I was, I was actually interesting. Oh. They were kind of siphoning my, what I had to offer. Yes. And then presenting it as their own. Mm. And then making, making the friends they really want off of my reputation. Right. And I, and, you know, well, you know, one thing is now, I know I know how to recognize what a friend is, but I don't know how to make new ones because I can't trust anybody. Oh, James. James, I love you. Oh, I love you too. And I'm sorry. And it's uh, it sucks because when I went to the interview, they were like, no, we want to give you a job. And I was like, well, I think I should finish school first 
so I can, because I'm almost done, and then I'll, I can immediately, I don't have to be some beat cop. I'll have a college degree, and I can start higher. And they were like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. And they, it's, it's like, are were they all just, like, you want to believe them. Right. Are they fucking with you or not, right? Like, like the cop that went on, and he had all the co- the angry chief or whatever who was talking about the how, union dude. Yeah, the, I, I didn't watch it. I I, I heard it. The New York third, Union third cop guy. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And you want to believe him, but then you have to go look at this. Look at these videos. I could show you for hours, and then you tell me to believe you. It's so ironic, though. But it's like you can't you can't make me believe. Like maybe I can believe you as an individual. But you, that whole group of guys that apparently were in the video, I guarantee you I can't trust some of you. I guarantee it. And it's not an insult to any one of you as an individual because I don't know you. But there's no way in hell that I can trust all of you. And there's no way in hell you can tell me 100%. Yeah. Because, because you don't, you're, you're, you're not a plumber. You're not an electrician. You don't have a job. You have a responsibility mm. and uh, you don't know how to, you, you obviously don't know how to find the people worthy of that. Yeah. And like in my head, I'm like, I, I feel like I would be if I accepted that responsibility. And, but then you wouldn't let me keep my uh, integrity. You would force me to treat it like a job instead of what it is. Yeah. Because if you're scared... What you, you want it to be. Yeah, if you're scared to lose your responsibility, then you should have never had it in the first place. You know, so it's just... It's just you know. Yeah, good point, James. Thank you for that. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. I'm out. All right. Thank you so much, babe. I love you guys. Yeah, love you too. Love you too. Bye. Nicole, why don't you why don't you go ahead if you want to? Oh gosh, I don't even know where to start. So forgive me while I st- stumble through this. I think I'm still figuring out like what how to articulate what I'm feeling and what I'm feeling changes day to day. Um, and Lisa, my partner, said something recently about the seven stages of grief, and I found myself. Google searching, what are the seven stages of grief? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's what it feels like. And I don't remember what all of them are, but it's like this kind of wave of emotions. Like I go from like looking for moments of joy, like our, our neighbor, um, our neighbors are a a really beautiful black family and their um, daughter turned 10 and they had a drive-by birthday party. Um, So people had balloons hanging, like flying out of their car and they were um, honking and singing happy birthday to her and where I needed that um and maybe that was that was sometime last week or the week before so there was that moment but then I find myself like found myself crying one day found myself angry another I was talking to my sister tonight about a colleague of mine who said something really kind of no not kind of horrible and I don't think he knows how, how offensive um, he was. And then I found myself like feeling rage um, in that moment. And, and he was referring to like, you know, something like um, to the effect of, um, I'm glad George Floyd's death is doing this, this, and this. And it's, I felt like, I'm like, no sentence should start that way. Um, so, yeah, so I so that's like I have these these personal feelings that I I'm dealing with and like what it is to be a black person in this country, um, but then I also have like I have worked in the arts for over twenty years and that is a very white field and I've worked mm-hmm. in very white spaces and I have close friends who are white and I just can't even talk to some of them right now. <laughs> I just I can't yeah um there's maybe like one or two um so 
I don't know. I, and I guess I, I'm also, you know, James was talking about friends and knowing who your friends are and yeah. why they're around you and what they really want from you. Like I, 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 that def- definitely resonated with me. I'm feeling mm-hmm. some of that too. Like this, like, performance of wokeness that folks have been doing yes um and now in this moment like you actually are just like shit you know (laughs) I I thought I was getting or type of person I thought I was getting away from um so yeah just like so many so many emotions and then the last thing I'll say is like I'm also trying to be present for my 19 year old niece who's never really seen anything like this I mean in some ways none of us have right because of the um the expansiveness of the the protest right um but you know she's trying to process police killings and uh colorism because that's been Mm -hmm. part of the dialogue recently and her role as a dancer in all this and what she's supposed to say on social media and what she's actually feeling and so like that's a lot for a young person to be carrying too and trying to be her her auntie and like soundboard you know we're her sounding board but like we're going through the same thing at the same time yeah in some ways so yeah what about you liz Um, thank you nicole (laughs) (laughs) yeah i have i have so many thoughts that i started posting on Facebook which isn't usually my I'm usually like I'm diplomatic but I'm just like I've had initially and it's also been coming in waves I guess like the stages I should look them up oh no I'm gonna look up look look shock (laughs) denial anger bargaining depression testing and acceptance I am all up in the anger section anger (laughs) and then also I go into the depression section where I cry while I'm working out and just Mm -hmm. let it all out there but yeah I'm sorry go ahead Liz oh no I just yeah it's the emotions are Mm ever-changing um and so initially a big thing for me was reflecting it's making me reflect on my own experiences growing up and growing up in white spaces and thinking about that and the idea of the people around me in the continued white spaces and like I've had a lot of conversations with one really good friend about this about like who is who's doing the work who is performance and also the the levels like because it's work right it's like constant work it's constant questioning because it's always it's it's all around you and you're always fighting against this racist society like in your daily life like James has to deal with it in a different way than I do but like it's a constant battle and it's like a battle you feel and it it draws on your your health and your stress and like blood pressure all these other things and um so i and so i started being like i feel like i need to say something like i'm i'm just being silent and so for me like i'm trying to diplomatically cuz it's so hard not to be but like to start calling out people around me like are what are you really are you really doing that? And also to witness the white flight of Brooklyn, like anybody I know with money just like disappeared. Like they like left. And I was just like, what? Oh shit. This is history. Like this is happening again, you know? Yeah. And also thinking about teaching students like history and being like, all right, riots. It's not normal. It's normal. Like it's, this has happened before black power resistance. This isn't something new, but then how can we build on it? Like, and so I've been thinking a lot in my thinking too. Like I've always been like, you know, please, or like, you know, or like reform. But then like, what is that actually? And having the time to be home alone and to really think, it's almost like, I think I'm rediscovering like those college ideas of like when I was just reading and like, I hate every, I hate the system, I hate it. Yes. And like just in daily life, I've kind of become acclimated to daily life and just getting through it. And now I'm like, actually, wait, I want to think about abolition. Like this, it's all systemic. It's all related. We need to fundamentally change. It's not that crazy. Like abolitionists who thought slavery should end were crazy. And what, what, like, what's the difference now? Like, I really, I would love that we could push this more, or at least the, the, the discourse. I yeah. feel like there is more discourse, but then also how isolated am I in my bubble? Like my friend group, 
I don't really deal. I don't, you know, we all I, are, I'm, yeah. I'm in a bubble. <laughs> so lots of feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I said earlier, my feelings, I mean, honestly, they go from anger, more like rage. I would say that's a better definition rather than anger. Cause it's a lot more intense than just, Ooh, I'm angry. You know what I mean? Um, and then definitely the sadness hits. Cause then I think about, you know, Zora and I think about Kiku and I think about my husband and think about my dad and, you know, that side of my family and things that they go through every day. And, you know, but Liz, can I ask you something? You don't have to answer this, but as, um, a child who is mixed, who's half white and half black. Like, how do you feel like this has affected you differently than, let's say, just, you know, the black community? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think, like, in terms of the situation we're in, mm -hmm. um, because we're still in quarantine in our life, like, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we've gone out and protested and like that energy out there is interesting. It's interesting to see, especially in, in Brooklyn, there's like lots of young white folk out there, which is also, it's interesting, you know? Um, yeah. And I don't know. I think my identity has been more a part of my processing and my thinking really about like my, who I interact with in my life mm -hmm. and like those conversations it's made me really think about the white side of my family in mm -hmm. particular. Um, and just cause I never felt in certain parts of the white family, like I was welcomed and there's been pretty much silence. Like I posted this whole thing where I was like, are you complicit? Like, are you doing anything? Yeah. And, um, it was really good by the way. It was <laughs> thank really you. well written. I felt you totally. I had like, I had, I had a target in my head kind of, and actually I was really m m one person who is close to me like reached out to me and it was really important to me and it, and it felt good but it was also it was, still, it was very brave it was, it was very brave of you <laughs> it really was because you know most people don't most people you know they kind of hold it in and they keep it in and they don't talk about it or they talk about it just to their family but to post that on social media is a very brave and bold thing and I really I applaud you for that girl thank you I yeah I, I needed to say something but um, yeah, I, it's interesting. In my black side of my family, we we talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah, because that's, that's what we do. Yeah, <laughs> but totally. it's really yeah. I guess that, but that duality has always existed. Like I've always had that. I've always been able to talk frankly here, and then on the other side, like delicate eggshells because mm -hmm. people are going to get defensive. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Thinking about my friend's parents too. A lot of people have said some messed up things to offhand remarks. What are those microaggressions? Yes, that is what they are called. Lots of microaggressions. Mm -hmm. I've been trying, trying to, to teach Zora what those are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. I'm trying to push my white friends to like push their parents because they're like, oh, they're old. And I'm like, no, it's like, it's abuse. <laughs> that's something that's bothering me. Yeah. Well, then also to speak up, you know what I mean? Like mainly, right? Like if they're saying stuff, then just speak up about it. That's all that I can, you know, ask um, of anybody. Um, but so do you guys have any hope? I don't have hope. No. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I know. So, like, I understand that what's happening right now is unprecedented, right? I mean, that's what people are saying, right? Um, I understand that. I understand that it's like this whole, you know, old, the whole world is with us and all of that jazz. And, you know, and not that I don't appreciate that, but there is a level of like, and I've said this in previous episodes too. I just want to know what y'all think about it. Like, you have to. Like right now in the media frenzy that's happening in regards to the protests and this, it's like in them, in the white folks finding out like this shit is real, like, oh my God, you know, like that thing. <laughs> um, 
it me it it makes that's where my rage comes in because i'm like are you doing this because you really feel that way actually fuck you because no you're not doing it because you really feel this way you're doing it because you have to do it right because all your little social media people or you know whatever your company or they're all going to say something they're not going to buy your products you know what i mean they're not going to like your likes or like your little instagram posts and shit and so now you have to back it up but you haven't been backing it up at all until now <laughs> so fuck you yeah, yeah. you know Do y'all yeah the same way? <laughs> um yeah i think these solidarity statements i think a lot of them are bullshit um some of the the spaces i see putting them out like i've worked for and i'm like i just want to write on their instagram you know you lying <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, and also, they're, they're going to, like, the one Black person in the company and be like, can you write this for us? Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What's happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, you do the work for us. us. Yeah, you do the work for us. I think at the point where, like, I want to believe that folks want to be better and that they're going to take the actual steps to be better. That is more than a statement. But then it's like it's become this boilerplate statement, right? And so, like, I got one from European Wax Center, and I was like, "Really? Like, how? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> like this whole long statement?" And I was like, "See, I, I knew this wasn't like people are not for real about about this." So, um. I don't even remember what your question was. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Are things going to change? Was that it? It was. Oh, like, do we have hope? Have hope. Oh. oh. You know what? Last week I didn't. I didn't. And I sent a newsletter out basically saying, like, I don't know what to tell y'all. Like, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Find joy where you can. Cause I can't, can't give you hope right now. No joy. Um, and that was like. <laughs> like the most honest thing that I can write but then um Lisa again my partner um she has three kids and I have my nieces and they're all about the same age like they're between 17 and like 24 and so she had this great idea to have zoom um dinners with them hey you know you can bring dessert dinner drink whatever um, and to bring our families together, which we're still early in the process of, of integrating our families. And actually listening, listening to the young Black kids talk about how they see this moment and the work that they plan to do was the moment when I found hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kids, I always, I mean, that's why I like teaching. Students are so amazing and they're so powerful. and watching their energy like and also to think that one i think historically like this stuff is always happening like there's always like steps and then step back and like all this other stuff and like you said your anger about just people were like so like oh my gosh like i feel like i felt that more when like trump selection when people were like how and I'm like, how not? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why are you fucking surprised? Yes. But I do feel like because it is more of a conversation and like, just for me, I remember like, who, like, you could get me a, a white doll or a black doll. Who, who, which, who was getting, I was, I was very kin as a kid, like, hmm, like who gave me this one, you know? Mm. But like, you have options like kids have options and, and reading materials. And like, I think that's so important in terms of just starting that conversation so that it can get, keep getting pushed. Mm-hmm. And, and so- you're comfortable having those conversations, not with your kids, because I know you're definitely comfortable with that, but like white people. Oh. Grown ass white people? Grown ass, grown ass okay. white folks. <laughs> like. Are y'all comfortable with them coming to you and be like, hey, Nicole, hey, Liz, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit more woke, you know, because I was before, but now, you know, I want to be even more. Um, Can I get some reading materials or can I, uh, can you tell me about your experience or? uh, Depends on the person and how they're coming at me. Because I've had, I've had 
conversations. Zoom, if you could see Nicole's face right now, it looked like a straight up like, Nikki, I know you didn't ask that fucking question because you know what my goddamn answer is. Thank you very much. Um, sorry to interrupt you, Liz. You go oh, ahead. No, no, it's fine. No, I'm just like, if they're coming from a pure, there are people coming from a clear place of ignorance and like, like I've never been exposed, but also willingness. Like, oh, I've never thought of that. Like, I've never. That's different than like, teach me, mm. house lady. Like, you're here to serve me. Like, you know, mm, there's right. like different. I yeah. So, I I might have I might be nice on the surface too, and then have a discussion with James afterwards. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you with that, and uh, Nicole. Um, I don't really have patience for it. I feel like uh, in, the, in the past couple of weeks, I have been asked to do a, some emotional labor for some folks and like, I'm just not responding to those emails. Um, like, I, because emails like, can you process this kind of thing? Like what kind of emails you get? Like, like in the context like of my, in the context of my work. So like, okay how can one white man talk to another white man about something totally off topic in these times? Like, I don't want to answer that question for you. Like, why are you? Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, like stuff like that. But I think Liz was talking about people who were like genuinely like, I've never been exposed to this. I don't actually don't have patience for that either because I'm like, you've chosen you've made a choice to ignore what you absolutely definitely see happening yeah. to other human beings. Yeah. Um, so you don't get to come to me and be like, I haven't been exposed. You've, you've chosen not to expose yourself mm -hmm. to you've the information to that you're now seeking. Yeah. You've chosen not to be touched by the information and the, yeah. the, the you know, the things that you're seeing. Yeah. And you have the ability to shut it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. Damn. Um, what I am interested in is the kind of resource list that I can build for black and brown people around their self-care. Um, mm -hmm. And not just in this moment, but always, because this is, this is a long fight. And we've been in this fight for a long time. So like, how do we stay well? And a wellness practice, a wellness practice might be not responding to people when you don't feel like it, not That's doing right. that emotional labor for other people when you yeah. don't feel like it and keeping something for yourself. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree with you there. Um, can you give us some more of that just to help people out? Cause I'm sure a lot of people are going through just like what we're going through a whole load of emotions um, and I think there are a lot of people that are not, that maybe don't have people to kind of vent and talk to about it. Like, what do you think that they can do to, um, relieve some of that built up tension and stress? You know, at the, at the risk of sounding very woo, I think meditation, whatever that looks like for you. And that's not necessarily sitting on a pillow and like closing your eyes and crossing. Cause legs. you know, meditation looks like sleep to me. Yeah, it might oh. be taking a nap. It might be going for a walk. It might just be sitting still, yeah. you know, or, or it might be a moving meditation. It might be like jumping on, um, Nikki, I know you got a Peloton bike. Um, jumping on. <laughs> I'll show it to y'all later. <laughs> jumping on your, on your Peloton bike. Um, yeah, so I think people know the basic things that they can do, like exercise, take a walk, meditation, you know, find space to breathe. One of the things I found myself talking, um, I do studio visits with artists and something that's come up recently is like around this question of um, taking care of oneself in predominantly white spaces. Mm -hmm. especially when you're a, a black woman who makes work that is about your lived experience. Yeah. Um, That's hard. The, yeah, it is. It is really hard. And because so, it's, it's difficult even just in like a regular workspace, you know, mm -hmm. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but no, that's okay. Um, and then like, how do I, 
not let people tokenize me and, and how do I make these choices? And so um, I will sometimes go through a visualization exercise with folks um, or tell them to carve out time and, and space for themselves to just sit and like close their eyes and imagine where they want to be working, who they want to be working with, like what is their ideal um, work life look like? Um, and then from there, I think that can be really useful in developing criteria for yourself um, to say like, okay, these are the boxes, excuse me, <clears throat> like when someone reach out, reaches out to me with an opportunity, these are the boxes that I want that person to check. And if, and if they don't, they don't meet any of my criteria, they need to be paying me a shit ton of money that I can then advance my career with my you know, my life, my community, whatever is important to that person. But I think um, I, I've, I've found myself having this conversation recently about setting criteria for oneself about what it is they want and how they make decisions about who they work with. Because at the end of the day, that stuff has, has so, such a great impact on your health and wellness. Um, I think every woman of color I talk to does like never talks to me about their health background without talking about racism in the workplace or this experience they had in the grocery store or how these how race weighs on them. Um, and so if you're in a position to, you know, we spend a lot of time in the workplace and if you're in the position to to set some criteria, we're all in a position to set some criteria for ourselves, but to really get clear about um, what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do for your own yeah. health. Yeah. I actually, um, it's interesting, because like growing up in white spaces, I, I was like, bye Connecticut, hello Brooklyn. Like, <laughs> mm, And I actually, yeah. in my work life now, only really work with like black students. Mm -hmm. And I work in a school that is majority black. And actually many of the students and the teachers are actually from um, the islands mm -hmm. in terms of immigrant population. And in that, I'm an outsider. The kids actually read me as white many, many times. Um, and so for me, it's like, I, I feel more comfortable in this space now as an adult, mm -hmm. but I also have a lot of thought myself about like, especially with online learning, like how do I, interact with students in a way that is supportive and how do I work in a way that is ethical you know mm -hmm. balancing all these things like in this new frame that hasn't existed yeah and balancing the stupid work requirements of you know obligations and things like that how do you balance your principles with all these and that's like it's just about working in the system like the fact that their state tests is something that like psychologically I have to deal with yeah. But like, am I, I'm trying to like provide students like resources of like, you're saying like meditation or like things like that, but also like information. And for me, I'm, I'm, I've gotten, I feel like I've worked towards this idea of, I've always been like, you have to know your history. And also like, history is really depressing. And then kids are like, oh, that's too depressing. And so like <laughs> trying to re-change my, my articulation of that, of like, history sucks, but there's always been resistance. There's always been power. There's always been people who have stood up and like looking towards that model as like, like the hope aspect of it. And it's something that I, I like struggle with. Like, how do you, I will say one thing that is, one interesting thing is that the students, when you're in class, like in school, you can't hear everybody because you only have so much time, but on the online platform, if, oh, that's our fire alarm. Uh, <laughs> James is cooking. It's everything's fine. That's how you know James is cooking. He's cooking when one goes off. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I forget what I was saying. <laughs> um, yeah. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Well, how? But how are you? All the students. Go ahead. Oh, so Paul. they. Oh, with the online platform, I'll ask a question and I get 143 answers. At least of the students who are engaged, there are kids who aren't engaged at all, and I'm like, they're just missing like a blank spot but mm -hmm. there are kids who are engaged and it's kind of amazing to be able to like write individually to every single one of them mm. and I've actually like I feel like I've gotten to know some of them more deeply because I've been having these little like 
like, oh, this is my bird. I'm like, oh, wow, here's my cat. Like, <laughs> these, That's like, so little sweet. personal interactions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, 143 interactions. It's, it's like, the, the thing you said about the freelance. Like, how do you turn your day off? Like, how do you set those boundaries? How do you, how do you do right by the kids? I'm always afraid that I want to do right by the kids. I don't know. I love you, Liz. You're amazing. (laughs) Um, This is kind of like a side question, though. Um, So I heard that the New York City, I heard that a lot of states are are, um, taking away money from teachers (laughs) and schools. You mean budget cuts? Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. How would that affect you, if at all? Hopefully not at all, but. I mean, we were thinking just on a, a basic, basic level. So in terms of this transition, we, our school gave every, every laptop in the building to students, which is like, that's a need that happens, you know, no questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a real question. Are students going to bring them back? Are they going to be in good condition? Are we going to get money for new technology when we actually get back in the building? Like those kind of like basic logistical questions that seem to get like lost. Yeah. Um, also our schools like we were supposed to have air conditioners put in like years ago but that still hasn't happened it gets like really really hot up on that second third floor of those buildings <laughs> like those basic things wow. but then and you see the you see the pictures of the cops in the riot gear with all their fancy equipment and their cars mm-hmm. and you're like really <laughs> do i still have to have this old textbook from 2000 <laughs> like yeah well also why don't y'all have air conditioning like (laughs) that's crazy it's so funny that you bring that up because i just finished writing a piece and i started with a story about being are you still at the high school you were at when i lived in brooklyn uh yeah i've been i've been in two different schools in the same building um for the past like seven seven eight seven years and okay oh I was four at one I can't do math it's it's been a while (laughs) it's the it's the where the high school for public service yeah that one (laughs) right right so they had the youth farm outside yeah 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 um and I volunteered at that farm once anyways I was just uh writing a piece about food justice and how food justice and racial justice are inseparable and um I remember being at the school and here we are on this this farm that sits like at the front door. Yeah. And some one of the volunteers was asking why the youth who are predominantly black and brown who work on that farm, why don't they don't have access to healthy food in their neighborhood. But uh, one of the things I remember was like here this whole this fresh food was growing right outside their school and because of regulations, they couldn't actually use the food in the school. <laughs> like it was like you, they needed a home ec teacher, but there, there aren't enough home ec teachers. And so there, there was like this huge disconnect. Wow. Um, so you're talking about air conditioning, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, yeah. air conditioning access to fresh vegetables like all of it all the policy making is not being made by people who are are living the experience and that's actually where a lot of the money is going it's going to the bureaucracy it's going to like central as you say it's not being actually directed to the students you know and also equitably because you know not all schools are getting the same access that's right Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we're going to end the conversation here, but before we completely, um, shut it down, is there anything that you'd like to say to the audience? Any like seed that you'd like to plant in their brains, any feelings or thoughts that you had that, um, you wanted to express anything that I had forgotten to ask or mention that you feel like is really important? Um, that you want um, people to know? This one thing um, keeps coming to mind <clears throat> that, I would just, <laughs> that I would just recommend. I think Nicole um, froze. Oh, can you hear me? Sorry, you froze for a second for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Citizen Well and Reclamation Ventures and some, some other folks had an uh, online conference over like eight days called Wellness of We. 
Um, and there are meditations and panel discussions and all these videos on the website. If you Google search Wellness of We, I'm, I'm sure you'll find it. But I found the conversations in terms of thinking about what's happening with the pandemic, what's happening with the protests, um, Black Lives Matter, all of that coming together around health and wellness. They had some really powerful discussions. So mm. um, I really recommend that. Um, Check and that especially out. The, the conversation on how white supremacy gets in the way of wellness. Hmm. Um, they talked about, you know, we um, DNA and how people of African descent carry or African Americans carry um, the trauma um trauma yep. slavery in their yep, dna yep, yep. but they also talked about like the dna that white people carry that allows them to turn away from uh, from seeing other people's pain oh um it was i mean it was really deep um, yeah. I, I i really really highly recommend listening to it can you can you say it one more time what was the it was the wellness of we wellness of we okay yeah I it's all free it and online all right i'm gonna check it out thank you what about you, Liz? Any last words? Oh, I was just going to say, I left, I think, my students with uh, power concedes nothing without a demand and never has and it never will. Frederick Douglass, right? Yes. That, like, we have to keep up that good fight. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, the only thing that I want to say to our listeners is what I always say, which is, you know, know thyself, educate yourself. Um, yeah, those two things are the most important things I think makes a better world, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and the last thing before we head out, Nicole, um, I heard that you have begun a new something, something, and you are in wellness, I know, but you also have your own business in helping people mm. become well. And yes, you also yes, yes. have something else, too, that I was hoping that you can promote and put out there to the world, to the, I have 30 listeners, y'all. So the 30 <laughs> people that listen, including awesome. y'all. Um, <laughs> oh, 28? I can't fucking count either, Liz. So... <laughs> I appreciate uh, this opportunity for a plug. Um, yeah, I uh, recently finished my health coaching certification. So with Food in Mind was um, a project that I started to work with youth and I folded my health coaching practice into that. And I am working with women who are sick and tired of being sick and tired, focusing, centering um, the needs of black and brown women um and helping people cultivate whole and healthy lives so i'm a holistic health coach so um following this idea that um what we eat is connected to our careers our relationships exercise um spirituality so looking at your whole life and what's affecting um what's getting in the way of meeting your health goals so with foodinmind.com and my other project, you must be talking about the Ostracon. The Ostracon.net is a uh, Warhol Foundation creative capital funded project that I am doing with a collaborator of mine who's based in um, Minneapolis. And uh, it's looking at folks who are we have this thing called the hero industrial complex, like this idea that one person is like driven by their own genius and comes to their ideas all by themselves. Um, and we're really trying to open up the dialogue around the arts to um, tell the stories of people who have influenced and inspired artists. So, um, and people who are just doing great work that is kind of like art adjacent. So I just wrote a piece about um, black the black maternal and infant health uh, crisis. Um, in the context of the arts, talking to artists, but also to the head of um, maternal and infant health in Nashville, who is uh, an amazing human being. So the Ostrich You're amazing, Nicole. Thank, Thank you very much. Amazing. Oh. <laughs> Who are you, Liz? You're amazing too. You're a teacher. Yeah, Nicola, you you're amazing. Work oh, and you have amazing line. kids. Oh, they—they they are amazing. <laughs> I'm not that amazing. 
but um, yes, after, you are. After yeah. having whatever, after <laughs> um, trying to homeschool Zora okay, <laughs> and almost beating her fucking ass because she don't know how to do her goddamn work, like such appreciation for teachers let me tell you i mean i already did i already knew y'all were amazing but like i, I feel it in my soul now okay well so, i don't i don't work with those youngins that's too much <laughs> but still you know them older ones their parents don't want to be with them either so <laughs> let me stop <laughs> um <laughs> all right so I'm going to end our conversation here. Y'all don't leave the Zoom, okay. but I am going to say goodbye to our listeners. I love y'all. Subscribe, rate, and all of that jazz. Um, and I hope y'all are listening. And if y'all are, I appreciate you so much. Um, share, please, if you can, um, if you think it's appropriate, because you know I ain't appropriate. Um, and I'm definitely not for everyone. So say bye, y'all. Bye. 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 Thank you. <laughs>